Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we continue our study of the first book of Samuel, Shmuel Aleph, chapter 19. We stopped in the middle of chapter 19 with verse 10. We'll begin today's podcast with verse 11. Um, we ended verse uh, uh, the, the first half of this chapter with the... Uh, we read of the attempt of Jonathan to um, bring his father and David back together to try to get things back to the way they were in the old days. But unfortunately, um, when David was successful in battle again, Saul's jealousy um, fired up again and David had to run away. Um, so we continue at that point, verse 11, so Saul sent, uh, so he now knows, David ran away. Presumably he ran home. So um, Saul sends messengers to the house of David to literally to guard him, meaning not to guard him for David's protection, but to put a guard around his house in order to kill him, and to kill him in the morning when he leaves his home. David, and it was told to Michal uh, Ishto, and and Michal, his wife, that's Saul's daughter, um, told David, her husband, uh, Lamar, saying as follows: If you don't run and escape tonight during the night, tomorrow you're going to be killed by Saul's men that are waiting outside to trap you. So you better get out somehow in the middle of the night in order to save your life. Apparently, David's house was was uh, maybe high on a second or a third floor, and there was a window, presumably, that uh, maybe in the back or someplace where the guards wouldn't see, or maybe it was really dark, and they therefore couldn't see. She uh, lowered him out of the window, and he went, and he ran and escaped in the darkness away to some safe place. Um, now Michal, knowing that um, David is going to need time uh, to run, um, is trying to think of delaying tactics. That when the morning comes and the and the men uh, are looking for David, um, she realizes they may search the house. So Vatikach Michal Tatrafim, Michal took the Tarafim. Now Tarafim, this is in a very difficult. Um, uh, uh, a verse here because it, it, it attacks our notion of, of David and his household and, um, and the, the special relationship that David had with God. We know that God forbids us to have images, godly images uh, of, of idols, etc. Um, and uh, the trafim typically is understood to mean, and in, in its other contexts, the most famous other contexts where this uh, term is used is in reference to Rachel when she took Lavan's trafim. And over there we understood that she took Lavan's trafim, which are Id- Id- idolatrous images um, and statues, typically understood to be fertility statues, um, that Rachel took them from her father's house. We say, oh, she took them from her father's house to separate him from worshiping of Odazara. That is how the rabbis understand her, to separate him from his idol worship. But why was she keeping them? So this was difficult in the story of Rachel to understand. You'd have to look there in Genesis to see the different ways and try to see how you can understand that. But over here, one wonders, what in what is David's household doing with trafim, with idolatrous images? So there's 
various explanations that the rabbis take um, uh, and other commentators understand. Uh, but it also seems like these trafim may have been something that Michal had. Who even knows if David had them? The fact that Michal had trafim, that she had these fertility images. We do know from archaeological evidence during the time that the people of Israel you know, in this time period, that many people had in their homes these little fertility goddesses, um, and it was common. Uh, obviously, these were some of the things that they should not have had based on, but as we know, it took a long time for monotheism to take hold and to, for the people to get rid of their practice of idol worship. So the fact that Michal had them, she had them. Uh, you know, it's... It, 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 kind of great our mind to think that David had these in his house. But this is what the verse says, that Michal took the trafim, and, and Michal herself, while she's, we're about to read of a, of a, and she's already acted extremely heroically in saving her husband, but um, her heroism is going to have some significant flaws, as we'll see in just a moment. And, and her faith in God was not nearly the same as David's was. Um, uh, and and the, the verse deliberately shows this to us. So let's see what happens. So Michal took these trafim, these idols, she placed them in the bed of David, one um, in such a way that it appeared like the shape or, or at least size and form of a, of a man. And a, and a bunch of... of, of um, uh, goat wool or goat hair. She put it on the head of this idol f- form to make it look like a human being with hair. And she covered uh, um, it with, uh, with a cloak. So she basically took his blanket and made it look like there's a person lying in bed, made it look like there's hair on the head, so made it look like David is lying in bed. Um so Shaul then sent messengers to say when David didn't leave his house. So um so Saul the king says, uh, well then go go knock on the door and and get him out, bring him up because it's I want to execute him, I want to kill him. So she said, David is sick, he's ill, he can't come to the king, he's ill. Give him some rest, give him some peace. Presumably, what Saul wanted to do was bring him to the king king's palace maybe put on some sort of mock trial and and then condemn him to execution but uh but she said he's sick leave him alone let him rest um so saul said to his i don't care how sick he is go and and see david get him out of his bed and bring him over here because he needs to be put to death so saul didn't care at all the, about the fact that he was ill. So the uh, messengers came, and behold, when they looked inside, they did not see a... Um, uh, they inspected. At first, they they might have thought they see a person, but then they looked and um, they see that what's in the bed is not a person, but it's just these idols, or this idol, and... Um, and on the top of his head, there's just so Michal apparently thought that the 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 um the uh, that the messengers would would look in to verify that he's sick, and then they would report back to the king that he's sick. She didn't realize that her father was going to say, "I don't care how sick he is." Um, 
uh, get him. So they went to get him, and when they tried to get this, the person, so to speak, that was in the bed, they found that it wasn't a real person, and it was just a clump of, of goat hair on the head of this idol. So, Vayomer Shaol El Michal. And this is an important verse here. Saul says to Michal, Why is it that you tried to trick me like this? So you, you helped David escape, and then you tried to trick me by making this, this uh, idol, putting this idol in the bed. Like, well, what kind of nonsense is this? What are you doing? And you sent away my enemy, and he escaped. This is a very, very um, stark and, uh, and powerful statement. He just called David my enemy. He considers David his enemy. And therefore, he set up a situation for his daughter, which was an almost impossible situation, which was, um, you, you have to choose now between your father and your husband. You sent my enemy away, that we are enemies. Um, now, David obviously never considered himself an enemy, and Jonathan, when he understood who the, who the enemy was, he defended Saul. I mean, sorry, he defended David, and he said... He's not an enemy. He didn't do anything bad, right? He actually helped you. Michal, who is, who is David's um, husband, all the more so should have defended her husband at this point. Um, but she didn't. And now we, she was very brave in terms of what she did and, the, and helping David escape and the ruse that she put on. But, but when confronted with her father directly, she didn't have the courage to speak up for her husband in front of her father, but rather, what did she do? But Tomer Michal El Shaol, so Michal said to Saul, Who Omar Eli Shalachini? He told me, You need to help me get out of here. Loma Amisech, otherwise, I will have to kill you. So Michal, in order to protect herself, takes on the selfish characteristic, and, um, and which she one could argue, may have learned from her father that to her self-preservation, rather than stand up and do the right thing for her husband, she protected herself by placing blame on her husband. So now Saul, not only is he angry, but he's also just heard that David threatened to kill his own daughter, who is David's own wife. So if anything, this would stoke Saul's anger even more. Now, um, when one is, the, I think, I do believe that this is, it's not coincidental that we learn of Michal and her trafim and the idols that she had in her house with seeing how she wasn't able to act with courage and bravery when her life was, or when she perceived that her life or her reputation or her status in her family's house was, was on the line. And again, I'm going to emphasize this point, and we're going to see in this chapter that this is really the point, that this, the main point this chapter is trying to teach us. That when one looks towards idols and thinks that idols and, and, and statues and, and, and inanimate objects somehow hold some kind of power or represent some kind of godliness, and I say godliness with a small g on this world, so that we can serve them and worship them or do whatever rituals it is that we need to in order to get their favor, one is doing that selfishly. One thinks that the important thing here is me, and therefore, I need to find out how to get what I need from this God with a small g, right? 
and 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 one also is cowardly one is cowardly and one is putting his or her um a uh, 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 faith so to speak in in something that has no power to help but when one recognizes that there is one true god and the purpose on this world is to live the way he wants us to live then one can tap into a humility and and bravery one can realize that who am i it's not important whether i am on top of things whether even it's not even important whether i am safe whether i am sound whether i have all the things i need what is important is that i do god's bidding and i live god's life no matter what the consequences when that i live uh, a, a spiritually and 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 ethically and morally appropriate life which is what god wants for me then i can do anything i can accomplish or achieve anything and i have the bravery and courage to stand up to anything that is the difference that's what jonathan saw but that's the opposite of what Michal saw. That's what David sees, and that's the opposite of, of, what, of what Saul sees. And this is the main issue, and we're going to see this as we continue reading this chapter. If Remember, if we look back at what, what um, Jonathan said just in the last podcast, he says, uh, David put his life in danger. This is verse 5. And he struck down the Philistine. And God did a tremendous victory for, for Israel. So Jonathan understood that it was David's special relationship with God that gave him the strength to stand up to the Philistines and, gave, and gives him the strength to be such a great leader in Israel. Michal did not understand that. Michal still had trafim, she still had idols. And therefore, when she was... She did not have the bravery and courage to stand up to, to Saul. She just figured out some kind of a lie to make herself look good, to make David look bad, and, and to stoke the situation, to stoke the hatred between Saul and David, rather than do the opposite, which is what Jonathan did, and at least brought, uh, Jonathan brought about, at least a, for a short period of time, a level of peace. So what happens with David Barach? David runs by late and he escapes. And where does he go? Because he doesn't know where to go. So clearly the best place for him to go is to Shmuel, to Samuel. Shmuel is by now a very old man, but he's still living a spiritual life and he's teaching others uh, um, how to live a life of godliness. And, um, and he needs to go to Shmuel, presumably for safety reasons and also to find out what the next step should be. Remember, Shmuel had already anointed David the next king and had already taken the kingship away from Saul. Shmuel now left it up to Saul and David to kind of work it out amongst themselves for what the transition is going to be. And David was sticking with the program, but Saul was not. So he ran Vayavo Shmuel Shmuel Ramasa, and he came to Samuel in Ramah, which is where we already know where Shmuel was from, and pretty much spent his whole life. Vayagedlo et kol and David explained the whole situation with Saul, what had happened. Vayelachu Shmuel vayeshvu binayot, and Shmuel and David then went to Nayot, which is a place um, uh, near Ramah. So it was told to Saul. People came back and said, David We see that David is now in this place of Nayot in Ramah. So Saul sent messengers to go and get David and bring them, bring him from Nayot, bring him to the palace to put him to death. 
Now, what is happening in Nayot? Apparently, Nayot is where Shmuel is teaching uh, a group of prophets, teaching them about God and teaching them how to be prophets. Uh, we see uh, that is why he went to Nayot. So what? So Samuel's response, and just, I want you to, to think about this because this is really crucially important. David was in terrible crisis. He has no one to rely on except for, you know, he has Jonathan who's his friend, but Jonathan's hands are tied because he's, he's Saul's son. Michal, his wife, who helped him, but also double-crossed him at the same time. He, 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 so he's, he's doing everything right, Right, but everything is going wrong. The king is set to kill him. So he goes to Shmuel, and Shmuel takes him to a spiritual experience. He takes him to a group of prophets. We're going to read about this in, in, in a moment, what's happening in Nayot, and tells him this is when you have to connect to God. You have to remember that it boils down to God. There's a plan. There's something, there's, there's something what, that you need to live the, the right life. You need to do the right thing. You need to get your head screwed on and you need to get right and, 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 and bring your heart to the right place and remember what the purpose of this all is about. It's not about David's safety. It's not about David being successful. It's about David living the kind of life that God wants him to live. So he brings him there and now... Um, Shaul is going to be given another chance, another chance to recognize what's important, another chance to find a path out of his arrogance and his jealousy. But he's going to miss it again. But let's read how this happens. As I just read, this is verse 20. Saul sent messengers to take David out. And he saw what, what, what is happening in Nayot. And that is, he sees a group of prophets saying prophecy. They're in a state of, of meditation, a state of, of, of closeness with God. They're, they're speaking the wisdom of God. And Shmuel is standing above, on top of them, teaching them, showing them, guiding them, giving them a, 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 a leadership. And, and remember, this is the place where Shmuel took David. Presumably David is there. Maybe he's not visible or maybe he is. We don't know. But that's not even the point. The, the verse leaves David out because when the people, when Saul's servants who come from the king's house and they're thinking they have to do the king's bidding, what do they see? They see this and they themselves become come enveloped in this, in this uh, spirit of peace. They say prophecy themselves too. They become part of the group. They see this is holiness. This is special. This is what it's about. So, of course, they, they, the whole uh, concept of, of, of hatred, jealousy, the concept of anger and violence that they were going to take David, it just disappears. Suddenly, they are in a place where they're supposed to be. So, Vayagidu the Shaul, and it was told to Saul that nothing happened. Your messengers went and they disappeared. So he said, oh, those guys are a bunch of losers. I'm going to send a new bunch of messengers. And they also got caught up in this wonderful spirit of prophecy. And then he sent a third set and they also got caught up in it. So three times Saul sends these messengers, but instead of getting the message that maybe I should go to Shmuel, and, or, and, and, and learn, well, 
he will go to Shmuel, I'm sorry, but may, instead of getting the message that maybe this is more important, the living a godly life is more important than my jealousy and my anger and even my kingdom and me being the great king and start being the founder of the dynasty, maybe I should ask Shmuel, okay, I have to hand over the malucha, I have to hand over the kingship because I failed. Maybe I should hand it over to David and I should be happy that I had achieved something great for Israel. I was the first king and now it's time for me to pass over the baton and because this is what God wants and what God wants is, is what's important, not what I want. Instead of being humble and recognizing that, he's, he still wants to get David. So now Saul says, I can't rely on my messengers. So Saul himself also went to Ramah. He came to the great um, uh, 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 bor, which is generally a, a, a water cistern that was in Sechu, and he asked, Where is Samuel and David? Where is Shmuel and David? So here we have finally end <coughs> that David was there too. He was in this group. And now Saul is thinking, okay, I'll definitely get him. But Yelech Sham El Nayot Barama, and he went to Nayot, which is a place in Ramah. But he alav gamhur and Saul himself also got caught up in it. He himself, at that moment, real recognized, at least for the moment, recognized that I need to be with God. And the fact that David was there, and we get the impression that David was there in that same group where Saul was. Saul did not did not pay any attention. And he himself was saying prophecy. He was also engulfed in the spirit of God until he got to the place of Noyot in Ramah. Saul himself was given this special spirit. Here, this is is coming almost like a gift from God, a moment of peace for Saul to finally Maybe this, maybe here, God is almost saying, you don't necessarily deserve this, but I'm giving you this chance to recognize what's important. And he took off his clothing. And um, the clothing is the symbol of, 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 of kingship. Remember, these are the royal clothes he's taking off. This is what differentiates him between him and the other people there. Being equal before God, when one strips off his clothing, one is the same as everyone else. This symbol, and he also prophesied in front of Shmuel. This is reminiscent of the early days when Saul was in his heyday, when Saul was the was the legitimate king, and when Saul was was right was 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 had his relationship appropriately set with God. and he fell naked. That entire day and that entire night. Whether he was really naked or whether he just wasn't wearing his royal clothes is not that important. But the verse wants to say naked because it wants to point out that the, the difference between Saul and the others that were there was gone. When you're before God, it's not about the person. It's not about the fancy clothes. It's not about his position. It's about living the kind of life that God wants you to live. And this should have been the moment where Saul recognizes and, uh, that, that, that being jealous of David is pointless and wrong and leads to hatred and violence and that he should cooperate. But So again, Saul is being given that chance, I, um, uh, but he did not take that chance. That entire day and night he was naked and he was... Um, Simply in a relationship with God, which is again why they used to say the saying, Hagam Shaul Banaviim, is Saul also one of the prophets? 
So Saul here again has the chance. This is the second time in chapter 19 where we see Saul has the chance to, to um, make peace with David, but he, he chooses not to. Um, this concludes chapter 19. We are going to continue uh, with chapter 20. Thank you so much for studying chapter 19 together. Looking forward to having uh, you join me again for chapter 20 and the rest of this beautiful book of Samuel together.